Liran Hirschkorn here, your host of the e-commerce mindset podcast. In this interview with Lisa Abel, we actually touch on a few uh, interesting topics, um, such as licensing and uh, is licensing a great opportunity, as well as how Lisa works with both um, licensees and licensors in terms of growing and leveraging brands to sell more on Amazon. We talk about how Lisa started her own brand in 2019 and has been able to achieve seven figures in sales in just a little bit uh, over a year um, in in some part because of her operational efficiency and logistical efficiency of uh, how she's able to build her brand and leverage really fast uh, production times, etc. that, that you, um, you'll hear Lisa uh, talking about. Um, and then we also touched on juggling the uh, mompreneur life of uh, having five kids, all five kids at home because of COVID and being able to juggle that and uh, still manage uh, a, a business. Uh, the episode is brought to you by uh, incrementumdigital.com. Uh, we actually help Lisa both with her business and with her clients in terms of managing uh, managing those ad accounts and using Amazon ads to grow launch accounts, uh, scale products, um, and optimize uh, to create more efficiencies and take advantage of the latest ad types. IncrementumDigital.com is the link to learn more uh, about working with us to manage your ads. Uh, my email, Liran and IncrementumDigital.com, and that information is in the show notes. Uh, enjoy this episode with uh, Lisa Abel. Okay, so uh, my guest today is uh, Lisa Abel, also a, a good friend of mine who started working uh, in the Amazon space as a sole employee of a small Amazon startup in uh, 2016. She's also been a brand manager for a um, beauty company in uh, 2018. She actually um, decided to pivot and uh, help a well-known deal company create launch strategies to market to Amazon sellers. Um, and in 2019, she actually started selling on Amazon um, herself and uh, impressively has been able to scale that business to seven figures. Aside from that, uh, Lisa also consults for some of the most powerful, uh, iconic brands in the world like Martha Stewart, Weatherproof, Body Glove, Ben Sherman, um, and has some unique insights uh, that I'll be asking about into licensing. And what's even more impressive is uh, she's done all this while being a mom and raising five kids with her husband in New York. Uh, welcome to the show, Lisa. Thank you. Thanks for so, having me. Yeah, so happy to happy to have you on. So um, let's talk a little bit. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about um, licensing because I know you work with, um, you know, some of these um, iconic brands like a Martha Stewart and, you know, Body Glove. Um, what are what are you seeing as, you know, some of the... Um, you know, biggest mistakes, um, let's say, or uh, missed opportunities that big brands or, you know, leveraging brand names are not capitalizing on in terms of like being on Amazon? Yeah, that's a great question. What you're seeing is most of these people are relying on old techniques, right? So they got into Bloomingdale's, they got into Macy's and they killed it in that space. What they don't understand is that their e-com plan has to be the priority and some of these guys are really really old school they didn't know what keywords meant they didn't know what an e-com yeah e-com plan that's we're, we're working on our e-com plan yeah, yeah we, that's on the that's in our board meeting coming up in like two weeks we're going to talk about you're going to talk about e-com in two weeks like 
that conversation should have been about two years ago. Like it just wasn't in their, it wasn't in their, their mindset. And so a lot of them are making that shift. Mm -hmm. A lot of them are making it quite late. Um, But at least it's on the table right now. It's in discussion. You're talking about these guys who are like, look, it's much easier for me to just call Costco and say, we have this new product. They buy it from us. It's a couple million dollars and we call it a day. We're happy with that sale. Right. What they didn't understand is it doesn't take a lot to make that into a 10, you know, 10 X sale by putting it in your, in, in the right way. And so I'm trying to kind of bring that to the table and say, guys, look, how much does it take for you to designate an employee that their sole job is to just watch over Amazon? Like, what does that take for you? You're a multi-million dollar organization, right? Mm-hmm. Um, right. And so some of them are really willing to make that pivot, but you know, it, how fast? That's the question. Right. And, and, and I guess for, you know, the smaller brands, right? The majority of, uh, of people listening to this uh, podcast are not the Martha Stewart brands of the world. That's kind of that's kind of your window of of advantage, right? Where you can make quick decisions. You don't need to have a board meeting in three months over whether or not you can create a listing. That's like a major advantage in terms of competing with some of these big iconic brands. Oh yeah, yeah. I, there was a great meme I saw like I don't know a few weeks ago. And there was a board meeting and they're all sitting around talking about, you know, uh, like, oh, the, the, the name of the company. And this guy is looking at the other one going, well, I think it should be this and I think it should be this. And they're all talking. And the CEO is like, this is a fantastic meeting. And there's a billboard behind them with a million different icons of different animals. And he's like, let's 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 meet back in a week from now and discuss this again. We'll come right. up with the greatest name. And then in the next window, they show a man at, an, at, at a customer's door. And his box says dog stuff mm-hmm. and making the sale. And it was right. so powerful. I was like, yes, stop having meetings. Oh my right. God, just deliver product. Like you're good at what you do, do it. You know what I mean? Yes. So yes, the small brands, we don't sit around a board meeting. We don't consult 20 times. We pull the trigger, we screw up, we mm-hmm. fix the problem and then we do it better. And it's just a process that moves a whole lot quicker, which gives us that massive advantage in this space. I tried to explain to some of these bigger brands at a board table, at the board meeting, mm-hmm. hey guys, I-, I hate to break this to you, but no one cares about your brand. They mm-hmm. only care about your brand when you are comparable in price in some way, or your listing looks just as good. You're, you, know, you have to play the game because that little guy in the living room who's doing it better that's going to win the sale. Mm-hmm. So the only time that you're going to matter is once you're comparable. Then you could say, okay, well, I want that because it's Ben Sherman. I want that because it's whatever other mm-hmm. brand that's important to the consumer. It is important. I'm not saying brand doesn't mean anything. But on Amazon, the little guy means just as much if they do mm-hmm. it right. Right. Amazon has in some ways leveled leveled the playing field where the little guy can compete with the with the big guy and sometimes do it in a, in a much better way. And you know, I've seen some of these listings and, and sometimes even though, yeah, and you work, you know, we'll talk about, you work a lot with the sort of the licensees who license these, these names like Martha Stewart, even though they have the budgets, they don't uh, see the importance of, you know, how, how a customer acts on the, on, on Amazon might be different than a website. And, 
the images and the listing and A plus and all the all the elements that you need in order to create a conversion. That's right. Yeah, that the the they'll put up a listing with one image and zero keywords. The title will just say like shoes, you know, right? And you're like, well, I'm sorry, that worked at some point, but you're gonna work a little harder now. (laughs) That some people were able to get away with that for a certain amount of time, but you and I. And all the other people listening to this podcast who are constantly searching for great products to put on the market, we love those guys, right? We love yep. getting to a listing and seeing one image and one keyword. And you're like, well, yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll go up against this guy any day, right? Especially if the stuff is selling, right? Like if they yeah. can sell with that, then imagine how much more, you know, conversions I can get uh, with, with, you know, a well-optimized a uh, well-optimized uh, listing. So, so sort of when you come into when you come into you know some of these big brands and, and kind of like you know to put some context to this, um, from what I know, you work with the licensee, uh, meaning X company owns the or does the uh, is is a licensing agency or owns the licenses directly for you know these major names. They mm-hmm. license it out to people who then, who then you know, create products and sell them on Amazon. And they actually say, hey, uh, they bring you in to work with those licensees because they have an interest in those licensees selling more because the more they sell, the more the royalty that, the, that they're able to generate for, for themselves or for the brand. And so they bring you in to work with these, some of these licensees. So um, what are some of the sort of immediate things that you look at when you you know okay you see this you see this uh, brand they they may already do they usually already have products on amazon or or they don't necessarily and you help them get get started or what, what's kind of the typical so the typical brand that i'm working with right now um has some product on amazon generally speaking completely unoptimized listings i uh, most of the companies i'm working with are licensing for many, many brands. Like I'm working with an eyeglass company that works for some of the, some really, really like companies that everybody on this podcast would know. Mm -hmm. Um, They create, you know, sunglasses and eyeglasses for a ton of different brands. So I'm dealing with the licensee and saying, okay, well, I'm going to guide you into what optimization looks like, what your, um, what content keyword research, all of that. And I'm kind of instructing them and, and guiding their teams with how to use these tools. And then they have that information that they can use across brand. So um, it's pretty valuable to them. The person who's actually paying me to do it is only paying me for their brand. But the licensee really has a massive advantage because they have 10 brands, mm-hmm. 12 brands. You know what I mean? Right. right. So that right. So they're taking some of what you're teaching them and then implementing that across across a variety, a variety of brands. So uh, as an example, I have... Uh, you know, I make sunglasses um, somewhere, and I have a factory making them, and I have the I have the license to, you know, Gucci and Ray Ban and whatever, right? To to Ben Sherman and to whatever all these things, and they're essentially, you know, essentially just leveraging. Obviously, the brand has to improve the quality and, and all that stuff, um, but yeah. essentially, they're leveraging the brand names on sort of like, you know, generic maybe type type products and trying to leverage that to to generate more sales and um they may have some listings on amazon but they're not really optimized and you come in and you're 
essentially coaching them and their team on what they need to do in order to drive more sales. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I, I grew up um, in academics, so I was a teacher. I had two masters in education. Um, that was my that was my passion for the first part of my life. So the fact that I get to come now and kind of um, use the teacher in me is like it's really powerful because I, I the entrepreneurial side of me that came out in this leader stage in life. That's like that's like my that's my passion right now. But mm-hmm but my foundation was in teaching. So the fact that I get to marry those two is just, it's just awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and so from, from the flip side of this, um, you know, do, do you think licensing is a good opportunity, you know, for let's say smaller sellers to be able to leverage brand names or, you know, I mean, you can make the argument that to some extent Amazon has, um, you know, devalued sort of the brand, right? Like people are searching by keyword. They're not searching as much by, by brand name. Um, I don't know. It, Amazon's putting a lot of energy into brands. I mean, you, you watch the trends. They yeah. have a whole luxury thing going on now. They're, they're creating new advertising through storefronts. They are, it seems to me like they're putting but, a whole bot- a lot of new, fresh energy into promoting brands. So I, I would watch it. I would watch to see how much energy and money they put behind uh, brands because I think they do want to support that. Right now, you're right. Right now, it's still not like major advantage to have a big brand on Amazon necessarily. It, it is and it isn't. But I definitely think that Amazon is paying attention. And I think they would right. like to put a lot of energy behind big brands. They're Right. So they're definitely paying attention to brands and storefronts and, and all the things you can do. But you know, I can go and uh, go on the IP accelerator or get a trademark, go on a wait list, get, and get brand registry. Now I have all the same tools yep. that, Mar- that Martha Stewart has. The question is how much like, you know, is licensing a, a, a good opportunity? Is leveraging that brand name, you know, going to get me those? And I guess it depends on the brand and the product. But do you, do you see that as an opportunity as like a missed opportunity that sellers are not going after enough? Do you have to be a big enough size in order to be able to get those kind of like licensing deals? Is, is it unreachable, unreachable, unreachable for, you know, sort of the, 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 the average private label seller doing, you know, a million dollars a year in sales is licensing something that, that sort of can be within their reach. Yeah, so these are really good questions. I think it's an enormous opportunity. I think it's a monstrous opportunity um, because you might be incredible at what you do, but those bigger brands are incredible at what they do, right? Mm-hmm. You're probably, as Leron Hirschkorn, probably not going out and getting a billboard on Times Square, right? Correct. You're, yep. you're probably not. It, it's astronomical not amounts of money. Maybe today, like, in August, right, right now in the world of COVID, maybe Manhattan isn't such a great example of like power, <laughs> right, but right. like, let's pretend that, that, that the world's going to recover really soon. That's the goal. And that the city will come back and all those important leverages that, that happened once upon a time will be super relevant again. But imagine that you're probably not taking out articles in Vogue and all those powerful things that are huge. They do that really well. So if you can bring together the force of someone who's fantastic at e-com with someone who's fantastic at enterprise and bringing those together, I mean, there's no question there's incredible value at that. Those brands didn't, they're not going away anytime soon. Mm-hmm. 
right? They're, they're just yep. not. Those huge names exist because they existed forever and they earned that place. Martha earned her place as the most iconic woman in DIY, in home goods. She earned it. She has maintained it. She never disappeared. Didn't matter what happened to her in her own personal life. She <laughs> only for only life. for a short 18 months. Stint. <laughs> yeah, and then look what happened. Like she's right. still she's she I think she's like like the licensing queen. Like that's pretty much what she is. She's she's mm-hmm. brilliant at what she does. Right. So so the opportunity is enormous. But there is a but. You, you still have to be able to distribute. Like if you mm-hmm. only have your one distribution channel and you have your one, you know, I, I can only manufacture this much. I have this limitations. My monetary li- restrictions are that I only have this much money. Don't, you, can't, you can't spread yourself thin to the point where you're not going to be able to fund your bread and butter, right? If Amazon meaning, your meaning bread our, and butter. Our, is Martha Stewart going to license or allow somebody to license the brand and only sell on only sell on Amazon? No, they, they really do. They want distribution channels to be everywhere. They really right. do. They, right. And they want, and, and it's important to them, right? So let's mm-hmm. say it was Body Glove. Body Glove is so, so powerful. And you're going to go see Body Glove at every surf station. You know, if you go to a local place at the beach and there's a surf shop, you're going to find Body Glove in there because that's, that's, that's where they belong. That's their brand um, story, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you can't be that person who can get your products into all those important stores that made the brand who they are, it's not a great fit. They're not looking to just, they're not looking to be an Amazon store. They're not looking to be, um, a Walmart store. Uh, Is that okay? Absolutely. They're happy to bring in great sales, but Mm -hmm. the brand story is so important to them, which is what makes them amazing is that they actually stayed true to themselves throughout. Right. So that means if you're going to. Uh, a lot of times pursue some of these brands, they, they want you to get into retail. And and I guess they're going to also sort of impose minimum uh, royalty goals on you that will sort of force you to go beyond maybe Amazon or e-commerce, right? Like they they typically have a, let's say a three-year deal and you have to meet a minimum royalty requirement. And the goal is that over the three-year deal the royalty goes the the amount uh, the, the royalty percentage stays the same but the amount of the royalty goes up because you've increased sales and increased um, distribution channels but i guess it also maybe depends right on the on the brand and how big the brand is and you know how and, and what the product what the product that you're going to produce um what you're going to produce is um you know friend you you i think you know paul who does cozy phones and yes. he's, got, he's got Paw Patrol uh, licenses and Sesame Street and he's got some stuff and he sort of created the unique product. So it wasn't sort of like one of their already sort of existing products that he got and he sells it only online. Um, but again, depending on the brand and how big they are, a lot of times I, I, I went through this process too. A lot They do want you to be, to get into retail but then again, you have a much better chance of getting into retail when you can leverage when you can leverage that, that brand, right? Like you, you you may not be able to get into retail with your, you know, Joe Schmo barbecue glove, but if it's a, you know, Martha Stewart grilling barbecue glove, you probably can get that into Costco. A hundred percent. And not to mention right. that these bigger guys, they have these contacts in their, you know, in their phones. They're like, hey, um, John at Costco, we just have this great new product. Let me let me hook you up with a phone call. And they're like, great. 
it's not you don't have to do all the work that that's already an existing relationship that that that's there for the large companies that's your in that's why this is so valuable is that you don't have to reinvent the wheel and they're and they're more than happy to share those distribution channels because it's their pocket at the end that grows so right they're getting they're getting the royalty so they're happy to they're happy to um or some brands at least right are happy to make that connection for you to try to help you get into those retail some and some some um some companies will even put you on their website right or link you or try to oh, yeah. you know really oh, help you in terms of sales is a huge part of it and their social media is probably the biggest part of it i mean some of the companies i'm working with they have 7 8 million hits on a on a single post within a couple of days like huge mm-hmm. huge social media reach so you would imagine launching something with social media that strong that i mean the power in that is 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 out of control it's and- huge and and what are what are kind of typical royalties that somebody might pay when they when they're licensing, you know, like a body glove, let's say. Right. So I definitely don't know the specifics of each uh, company, so I definitely can't speak to the company. I think typical royalties um, across the board look like seven, eight um, percent. Mm-hmm. But but everybody's terms are going to look different. What those sales look like, you know, just sale is gross sales or is that you ha- it's all defined in their contracts um, right but the person who's getting into that has to really know all the ins and outs with a lawyer because those you know those terms yep. can be very vague and you have yeah. to know every detail of what you meant when you said sale <laughs> yeah and there's wholesale and there's retail and there's different you know direct to consumer and different different percentages that you pay and then you know i think the biggest thing is you know what are the minimum guarantees right there there are going to be some brands who say we want a fifty thousand a year minimum royalty we don't care if you sell a dollar or you know a million dollars of this product we want ten thousand fifty twenty five thousand fifty thousand because we typically they don't give the same license for the same product to people to compete so right if they're not going to you know if they give it to you and you don't sell anything well that's lost opportunity for them they could have given it to somebody else who would have sold um, and that, that's part of the part of the negotiation process is sort of coming up with that uh, minimum minimum royalty that you have to guarantee to to the brand. I know, you know, going back to um, you know Paul, I know when he was getting his licenses, um, I know he was looking at Disney and Paw Patrol, and you know I think Disney was almost like around a six figure sort of commitment, and Paw Patrol was like ten thousand a year in royalties. Okay, well ten thousand a year, I can you know I can manage that. You know I know I can get those sales. And, um, you know, generate, generate the royalties to guarantee and it's not a big risk, but six figures is kind of a different, a different story. So, um, yeah. those are all the things you need to, um, you need to look at. So, so that's a lot of what you do working, you know, working with these, um, you know, licenses, licensees for some of these bigger, uh, bigger brands and helping them optimize And then, you know, through that you, uh, or, or, uh, last year you also, uh, went on and said, Hey, I'm going to create my own brand. Yes. Yeah. So I was, um, you know, I think everybody in our industry who starts off the way we do, and most of us do, we all start off working for someone learning the game. And then at a certain point, like a light bulb goes off and you're like, why am I not doing this for myself? Like I, right. <laughs> at a certain point, like, you know, enough, and it all comes down to the risk. You know, how mm-hmm. much, how much am I, can I, can I work for two, three months without a paycheck? Um, you know, I think that's what holds everybody back, right? You're like, at what point can I take that risk and do this for myself? And I got to a point where I was able to 
hold down a job and start my own company simultaneously. So the risk was mitigated tremendously for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I I was very open with every person I've ever worked with. I'm like, I'm going to work on my own with my own company. If that doesn't work for your company, then then I can't work for you. I've mm-hmm. I've never played the game with doing anything secret because that doesn't work out for anyone. Mm-hmm. And every company I've worked for was so supportive. Like, if you're happy, you're going to be a better employee. So you do you, and and we're happy for you to still work for us. And and that kind of support really was able to get me through that first initial few months of of um you know it's hard. It's really hard when you first launch. Yeah, but I got it. Yeah. So, so you were, you were essentially working for other Amazon sellers while starting to build up your own brand besides sort of like the consulting. Yeah. The consulting actually came later. Um, I never actually promoted myself as a consultant that, that was never, you know, I don't, I don't ever believe I'm a guru or um, expert. I think those terms are like silly. Um, I, I do what I do. I do it with every bit of my energy. If I'm working for your company, I treat it like it's mine. Um, I treat people like they're gold because I think they deserve it. I don't waste a dollar of their money. If I tell you I'll work 10 hours and I work two, I will say I only needed two hours this week. You know, Mm -hmm. like I don't, I don't, I treat people really, really well. And I think that they, that, that their time is, is really valuable. Mm -hmm. So, um, the consulting actually came much later. Um, I was working for that deal company and um, mm. it was really a, a very cool gig. I, I got to help define how they uh, treated their Amazon sellers. So I got to come from the other side while I was selling product. Um, I was telling them like, hey, as a seller, this would be really valuable. So, like so this was like a, essentially like, a, like an internet deal site. Mm-hmm. And many times Amazon sellers would love to get there. So people can post and things like that. But then there's also like sponsored opportunities and an Amazon seller can go to this deal site and say, you know, uh, hey, I want to list my product and they charge a fee and sort of how um, you sort of help them define, you know, how that works to, to help align it with like maybe the launch process for a seller. Right. So they were like, what's important to you? You're, mm-hmm. you're selling products on Amazon. What can we do as a company to make it valuable to you? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we looked at Slick deals and Dan's deals and, and um, Brad's deals. There, there's tons of them, right? Mm-hmm. But nobody was doing what we wanted to do, which was to give a strategy for the Amazon seller. So now mm-hmm. with the company I was working for, um, I no longer work for them, but when we when we created this launch strategy, we can now use keywords in the URL. We can mm-hmm. now do a extended placement on the page. So we were um, doing eight and fourteen day deals. So mm-hmm. you can choose to put your product on this site for two hours a day or four hours a day for eight days or fourteen days. And the whole logic behind it, was to give Amazon's algorithm just enough sales daily to prove that you were super relevant by the end of that sale so that you can get to page one. And it worked. Right. The, the mm-hmm. launch strategy was it really, I launched my own products on it. I tell my current you know, customers to, to try it. It's a pretty powerful technique. Yeah. So, so, and then you were able to essentially work for them and then start um, developing your own brand. So, um, you know, you've built up to seven figures in a pretty short amount of time. Um, 
just uh, just a little bit over uh, over a year. What's what's sort of been the key to success? I know we're not going to talk about sort of like uh, you know the specific products you sell, but you also use some of your some some sort of base knowledge right around the products that you're creating. I do. So yeah. so I personally did launch a company that incorporated my own um, knowledge base. I don't tell. I, I don't tell people they have to do that. There are a lot of people who are like, only sell what you know, right? If you are a man, you might not want to sell bras. But mm-hmm. I don't, I actually don't believe that. I think if you're good at understanding markets and I think if you're good at sourcing and you're good at, at, at understanding that it has to be good quality, don't sell crap, don't cheat people, don't be a jerk. If you do it right, you can sell anything on Amazon well if, if, you're, if you're learning the game well, you know? So it happens to be that my product line is super aligned with who I am, mm-hmm. um, and I and I make sure that it stays aligned. I don't I don't find um, I don't chase shiny objects within my own company. I chase shiny objects in my other life, like outside mm-hmm. of that. In consulting, mm-hmm. sometimes I find myself saying like, "Ooh, that's a little shiny. Is that going to get you off of your current plan?" Mm-hmm. Um, but within my Amazon business, my product line is very consistent. And so I just keep going wide, wide, wide. Anything that works, I do variations. Anything that, you know, and, I, and I'm lucky. My cost of goods is, is fairly low and I can test the waters a lot. Are you so producing in the U.S.? I produce everything in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Yes. I have my hands in the control room a little too much mm-hmm. um, uh, to, to a bit of a flaw. I am looking for uh, an employee now. I'm looking for someone hungry who wants to get into the business so that I can train them and have a right-hand man because I'm at that point in my life that um, I need to step out of the control room. Mm-hmm. But um, so if anyone out there, reach out. <laughs> um, but the, I stayed consistent. And that was that was uh, a very important part. You know, like you have to kind of have your, your um, business plan in mind. And that doesn't mean that you can't sell out of your category. You can sell in 50 categories. It's a matter of staying aligned with your mission with your techniques, with your plan, and and just staying within that system. Because if you start to, to just follow something that's a little bit off, you might lose your money in the game. So so I feel right. like you, you stay to what works, and then you just keep going wide on it. Like if you're making a pretty mirror, and in, and people love what you're doing, then make it in five different shapes, and, and, and make it in five different colors. Just keep going wide on what works, and then make sure that everything is optimized and looks the way it should look. And it works, right? We know it works. And has part of the strategy, uh, so has part of the strategy been, you know, um, focus on really increasing the sales of existing products or it sounds like you've been focused on sort of adding more, adding more to the line, launching more products as the way to grow, grow your sales? Um, so I don't have like 500 SKUs. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not all about just adding SKUs. I only have about 40 SKUs. Um, but only. I, I, def- <laughs> I, I, I definitely try to continue adding. Um, mm-hmm. I added four in the past week and a half. Um, but I... And you, ha- you said you have the, the nice advantage that you produce in the US and you can sort of test on smaller exactly. quantities. And I imagine your lead time is also um, faster. 
yeah, I can usually have whatever I'm producing within two weeks in my hands. Um, so that's, that's a massive advantage. And if I'm running low, I can, I'm very close with everybody I work with and mm-hmm. I can call them. I'm like, I'm calling in a personal favor this morning. Yeah. I need this produced by the end of today. Is that any way possible? And they're like, for you, we'll make it happen. You know, so yeah. I pull, that's something that you can't do when you're calling China. You know, it's like, right. well, could you pull a favor for me and get it to me in 95 days? Like, no, well, that doesn't help me. You know? Right. So I, right. I, that's a huge advantage. And I would say that's a massive part of my success is that massive flexibility. So, so like, you know, there's the marketing side of everything, but also sounds like your operational logistical efficiencies are, you know, a major, a major advantage. And I imagine that, imagine that you have competitors that do produce in China and can't act at the same level of speed and efficiency and um, then yeah. that, that you can. And do, do you feel like you have a disadvantage in terms of like cost to produce? Or do you feel like because, you know, you're not paying the shipping, it's very local to you, um, all these things make it so that, you know, you're not necessarily producing products at a higher price. So I'm definitely cost, I definitely cost a lot more to produce here. There's no uh-huh. question. Cause I remember getting quotes when I first created this company and I was like, Oh mm-hmm. my God, I can get it for like 20 cents in China. Like that's psycho. Right. Um, and I, I made the choice that like my product had to be amazing. I went, mm-hmm. I went in and felt every product by hand and mm-hmm. all the various choices within the materials and whatever. And I was like, no, it has to be amazing. Cause in the end of the day, I can, I can save money right now. I can save money. There's no question. I could have done this overseas, but the, the choice of staying local was no question about it was the reason that there's success happening right now. There's no question. Mm-hmm. I because of the speed or because of, because of the speed and your efficiency, not because you're saying made in the U S and that's also like driving quality. Quality. You know, the, uh-huh. I had such quality control issues when I brought my first five samples in, which mm-hmm. by the way, whoever's starting out and listening, like don't get under five samples. Like you just, you need to know exactly what it looks like a couple times over. Um, if there's five samples of the same, of the same product or from different suppliers, from different suppliers, you can test with the, with the supplier you do like, you can say, can you show me, you know, two or three other variations of that product that, that you just sent me? I want to see if your product is consistent. Are you good at what you do more than once? Or mm-hmm. did, I, did you get it? And there were some flaws. Like you have to pay attention to all those red flags. I had a guy who convinced me that the product they sent me, uh, oh, that's, oh, it's just because we use this one machine that one time that will never happen again. Okay. Well, I mean, as a newbie, I might've fallen for that, but I asked Mm -hmm. him to send me three more and the inconsistencies were were there. Maybe it was a different problem the second time. And I was like, this isn't worth the heartache. It's just not. Um, And so I picked a company that was literally at least three times the cost, maybe more. And I, these people will do everything to make sure that it looks perfect. Mm-hmm. Oh, Lisa, you know, I see that there was a bend in the material. You know what? I'm going to work on the packaging again. I'm going to send it to your house over the weekend. Let me know if you like this packaging material better. I feel like it might work better for our customers. That's mm-hmm. how they treat me. And that's how I treat them. And so and they, do your, they do your product and your packaging. Yeah. I, I, I try to never touch a product ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have um, everything is packaged at my manufacturer. Uh, it's all labeled there and sent to Amazon. Uh, when COVID hit, I had to restructure my entire business because 
um, fulfilled by merchant became uh, Mm -hmm. mandatory. No question about it. It is now mandatory and going into Q4. If you're not prepared for fulfilled by merchant, um, it could be the end of you. So Mm -hmm. everybody out there who's listening, prepare for fulfilling by merchant, prepare well because Q4 is going to be disaster. And so, and so how did you, how did you, what did you, what did you have to do to pivot? I mean, this is your manufacturer. They're shipping into FBA. Um, Yeah. So that model worked so amazingly. I never, Mm -hmm. I never, it just, everything just kept going to FBA and I never saw a product. And then all of a sudden receiving times were 20, 30, who knows how many days. And I have a problem that my products aren't, are being received, but then they stay in this transfer mode um, Mm -hmm. for months, not a week, not two. I I have products that are just sitting somewhere in the world in the U S I don't know where they're Mm -hmm. just in this transfer mode. And it's been like this for months. So um, that could be the end of a business if you're not prepared. So what I did was um, I called every single fulfillment option that was available. I looked into Deliver. I looked into ShipBob. I looked into mm-hmm. local places. I found this great place in Texas. It was nice guy. You know, and I looked into all those options and I tried to mitigate the risk and, and the money because every time mm-hmm. I just ship to the right. fulfillment centers that cost me five, six hundred, seven hundred dollars just to get it to the place that was going to fulfill it. So right. you have to take you have to take into consider consideration every one of those dollars because in this industry your margins are everything, and those margins get smaller and smaller and smaller at, mm-hmm. with Amazon. It just does. If you're advertising, mm-hmm. if you're all those margins keep shrinking, and yep. so you don't want to lose all your margins by shipping it to to the fulfillment center and then and then paying right. them four dollars. For, you know, and you're not off. getting you're not getting that super discounted uh, yeah. Amazon inbound shipping. Yeah, all of it, it just it, it ends up wiping you out. And so I ended up working out a personal deal with somebody who I'm close with nearby. And right now they're actually fulfilling all my products. I'm not going to say it's a flawless plan um, at the at the level that I'm shipping right now. I'm looking into more options because I think you need to have backup plans mm-hmm. going into Q4. I don't. I, I'm I'm telling you. Uh, I was listening to your podcast from last week with Casey and I, yep. and I, I am a hundred percent aligned with what he said. I think Q4 is going to be a fulfillment disaster mm-hmm. and we all need to protect our businesses. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to double down on my Shopify. I'm going to double down on my fulfillment centers. I might double down on some other options that I'm looking into, but it's not going to be me doubling down on FBA. That's what I'm right. not doubling down uh- on right now. And so what you're doing is you're shipping some inventory direct from your supplier to Amazon and then some some inventory to this local person that you're kind of splitting it. Yeah. And I use I use ShipStation. It's just super easy. Um, Mm -hmm. It just pulls all my orders from Amazon, sends it over to the manufacturer, to the to the fulfillment center. And he's been fulfilling it. It's just it's super easy for anyone to be able to work that software. There's nothing, you know, strong major integration that he has to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, and it works, it works, but uh, I would, I would employ everyone to really work on their backup plans right now. Got it. And so, um, and so, did, and, and are you launching, are you, and so you've, you're launching new products, which also present some yes. logistical issues because you can only ship in X amount of inventory, uh, right. into Amazon. Do you, do you have a, I mean, have you historically done, you know, are you only launching with PPC right now? Are you um, using, you know, sort of other methods to generate those initial sales on products? Um, what are you, what do you, what's kind of your current uh, so I have launch a pretty process? 
solid PPC management. You might <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I, I heavily rely on PPC, but um, I used to do a lot more giveaways. I'm really not doing that right now. I'm letting the PPC work. Um, I am also a fan of launching on the deal sites. I've been definitely playing with some rebate keys, but you got to be careful uh, mm-hmm. with making sure your reviews aren't coming from there. I don't play around with that. I don't want my account shut down over something stupid. So um, I'm very, very careful. But I, I like I think the rebates work. I know a lot of people rely heavily on many chat flows and all that. I'm, I'm really not doing that so much at all. Um, I, I am trying to do old school. I'm actually going back to some old school methods. Um, I think that what is meaning, meaning I what, reach what out to customers. I touch base with them. I, I, I think Kevin actually, Kevin King used to, I don't know, maybe it was like six months or seven months ago. Mm-hmm. He was like, don't forget about postcards. Don't forget mm-hmm. about things that, that, that worked for like our parents, that stuff's going to come back. And I kind of, kind of agree with him on that. Um, and I, I really reach out to customers. I touch base with people who are my, my customers from before, let them know that new things are coming out. Um, people and who so, are, I mean, yeah. Amazon's no longer giving the addresses. So you have older, you know, addresses of customers. Um, I have whatever comes in with merchant you get. Uh, and merchant, also, yeah. um, back in the day before yeah. they hit it, I have quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but you know, um, it, it is challenging. So I wouldn't necessarily say that that's what everyone should be writing down right now. Like I got to go find all the addresses. That's like that. That's challenging right now. So don't don't worry about that. But um, I think that the the deal sites are really powerful. Mm-hmm. PPC is really powerful. Um, giveaways are. N- I'm not really doing that anymore. I felt like anything that came in from the giveaways was not it wasn't working anymore amazon just amazon adapts and that it's just not as powerful as it once was so the anything below 50 percent rebate rebate was just not working anymore so i did higher than 50 percent rebates um you get a better quality customer in terms of money chat in terms no i in like rebate key things like that uh-huh. um i see uh-huh. it was you know I, it wasn't you weren't getting them guaranteed though i couldn't necessarily sell 10 a day or seven a day. Um, but the ones that did purchase, those were stronger. It was, a, it was more ranking power. Yeah. And, um, and I actually did, um, did a whole episode, episode 30 with Christine Krogh, um, was actually mm-hmm. increasing your Amazon sales via deals. Um, and she talks about, uh, a variety of, of, of different deal sites that, um, you know, that you can utilize to, um, to, to, to get sales, to grow your sales on Amazon. And then also there's, you know, are you running deals on Amazon as well? Like lightning or seven day deals? I haven't done one in months. Mm-hmm. I used to do them but all the time. I haven't done them in months. At the same time though, your, your sales have been really, really good and you really haven't had the need, right? To I haven't had the need. Um, Look, we're in just unbelievably crazy times right now and I, I keep telling people like what next year we'll never be able to look back at this year and make predictions on our inventory based on this year the COVID times are crazy right so right. Yep. some people lost their businesses and some people tripled their businesses right. um, and so the, the inventory because yeah, energy doesn't go away it just 
moves locations, right? Yeah. Money is money is energy. The money, the money actually hasn't disappeared. It's just disappeared from brick and mortar JC Penny. That's right. right. To 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 Amazon. It's people are still spending money. This Q4, people will be spending money. They'll still be buying gifts, even yep. you know, if the economy is is affected. And you you know, it's gonna that money is shifting to online and 50 60 percent of it starts with uh starts with amazon no question um so so you know um yeah so it's going to be a tremendous opportunity i i tend to agree too Uh, i think what you're doing in terms of getting your merchant fulfilled sort of short up now uh is really important um you also have an advantage you you have an advantage in terms of your lead time is not great so you can kind of you'll be able to sort of gauge your you know q4 activity and probably ramp up production as you kind of see what's happening. Absolutely. And I'll tell you where I'm not going to be sending it is to FBA. <laughs> I'm just, uh, yeah. not, it's not happening. I see, because you, because you crazy. don't know, right? Like you don't know you could send it in. It could be stuck for a month and then that's it. The season's, season's over. I called Amazon about two weeks ago. I, I had tears in my eyes. They were holding like, I don't know, $20,000 worth of inventory in one shipment just is just hanging somewhere in this like oblivion. I don't know where it was. And I called him. I was like, can you just check on it? Could you just tell me? He goes, ma'am, I I feel for you. I really feel for you. You, I speak to 20 people a day that sound just like you. And, and I I can't, I don't know when this is going to go away. He said the fulfillment centers, they're not talking to us. They're not telling us how many days behind they are. They're not telling us when they're going to fix this problem. All we know is there's a problem. Right. I was like, well, I said to him, imagine if it's October right now and I'm selling Christmas trees, which I don't. Right. But if you tell me it's going to be stuck until February, who's going to who's going to handle that? Where's the repercussion for that? You're going to kill my business. He goes, I right. understand. Right. There That's is no repercussion. There is no repercussion. They can screw you as long as they want. They're Amazon. Right. So. Right. Um, that's you have to know if, if you're going to be a seller, especially seasonal item. Um, you need to know where your product is going to be. And if we live in a world right now, which we do, where it has the potential to get stuck somewhere, then make sure that you have a good bit of inventory that you can get into the customer's hands. Back, right. Backed up with inventory at a, at a merchant field. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a delicate balance, right? Because you want to send as much inventory ahead of time, you know, into Amazon to receive and to have, and to be ready for Q4 at the same time, um, you know, you can't risk sending all your inventory there because if you do deal with very long, you know, receiving times, then, um, you know, you, you're putting, you're putting a, your, that product at least, um, and your business at risk. So yeah, it's a delicate balance. I feel like you need to have sort of, you need to have more inventory, uh, on hand. I mean, you probably need more inventory this year anyway, because all that, all that brick and mortar traffic is going to go to Amazon, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's a balance in terms of, uh, you know, managing the the, the logistics uh, of the of the business. It's a logistics nightmare right now, and yeah. and and there's no easy answer, and there's no one who's going to be like amazing at it. Like you, there's there is no being amazing at this. This is like half of it's guesswork, half of it's like crapshoot. You're like, I'm gonna send a bunch of it there, a bunch of it there, and a bunch of it there, and hope that it works out because. It's so hard to predict. And the inventory planning, that's also that. I mean, the, the limitations are, are killing everybody because I have a product that I know is going to be amazing in November. But mm-hmm. right now it's trickle. 
So they're not giving me a, a good amount that I can send in, but right. I know they don't know. I know it's going to kill it in November. Right. So, so if I can't send product in there and they're only going to start letting me send product in when it, when it gets increased in sales, that's too late. That's too late. Right. Right. So it's just working against you right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. You gotta, you gotta have that, that, uh, that merchant fulfilled. And, you know, I think more, you know, I order, I rarely order anything merchant fulfilled, but you know, last week I needed to order these sort of these lanyards that hold masks because mm-hmm. daughter has to go to school with, uh, with a mask, uh, coming up. And so the best op, you know, the best price with reviews and all that was a merchant filled option. So I'm like, okay. I'll yeah. Get it. Well, we yeah. saw that shift during COVID. There was no yeah. question that people were happy to just choose the fastest time. Um, and, and most of the time during COVID that was through merchant offers. Yeah. So that's going to happen again now the same pivot's going to happen again and, and i think what will happen is christmas sales christmas will come early uh this year for amazon sellers meaning i think that surge the big surge typically starts after black friday but i think this year as people see sort of longer delivery times that the the sales in early november are going to be much better than they were last year because you know there's a deadline you know christmas and people want to make sure you know, you're not going to, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to tell your kid it's coming January 6th. Right. So, um, you know, uh, I think, I think the, the shopping season will start earlier. I think a lot of people will be buying around prime day too for Christmas this year. So it's almost, you know, and prime day hasn't been officially announced, but we think it's sort of the first within the first 10 days of October and that, um, you know, you want to have inventory available, ready for them too. And then maybe, maybe after that, if a lot of product gets cleared after the where, you know, out of the warehouses, maybe things will get better in terms of, um, in I terms don't know. Of Amazon if e- it's crazy e- in October, then yeah, all yeah. the sellers send their product again in for November, the, the warehouses yeah. are going to be crazy but, at receiving. So yes, I see maybe Amazon saying, Hey, that 200 limit is now 400, you know, for new products or some, some kind of easing maybe if they have mm-hmm. a lot of room, but yeah, it, um, I think, uh, I think Q4 is going to be, uh, challenging logistically. Um, I want to jump to um, sort of an, uh, a, a little bit of a, di- of a different topic. So you do all this, you do the consulting, you sell yourself, you're launching new products. Um, um, you, you also raise five kids. Um, and I'm sure, you know, they were home or they <laughs> are probably still home. Um, and that's, you know, that poses uh, another set of challenges. Um, I have one, you know, one daughter uh, at home and she's six. And, um, you know, most of the time when she's bothering somebody, it's my wife, uh, yeah. just the way it is. Um, you know, I try to help out also because uh, she's on calls and she works for a company. So it's easier for me to, you know, take time and like deal with something or give her lunch or whatever. And I, I, I do try to do that and accommodate my wife. But that's that's one child. Um, you have five. Um is your husband working from home too, or is he working out? He works in an office. Um, okay. I mean, yeah. my, my husband will be listening to this. So yeah. um, I'm going to say that my husband is phenomenal. And <laughs> he helps out tremendously, which he does. And he, and Great. whenever there's a need, he fills it. He is in an office and he was home during COVID for a good bit of it. But then he went back pretty early because he had a very small office and they were able to social distance. Uh-huh. Um, so it did, it did fall on me a lot, but, um, I'm not going to say I did a phenomenal job at parenting. 
I'm going to be mm-hmm. really very real with you. I felt like I had to switch off days. Like one day I was a good mom. One day I was a good like business, business owner. Um, <laughs> you know, and I kind of took, I took turns enough to keep my children stable and my business stable. Mm-hmm. Um, keeping both of them in one day was almost impossible. I was not a phenomenal mother while I was killing it in my business. Cause, and they understood. I was like, Hey guys, like, someone has to make lunch today because it's not me you know right. and 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 that that's part of parenting um but i, I wouldn't say and there's an element I, I of, the there's I an could. element of uh, <laughs> there's an element when your kids are old enough like that you know i don't know how old they are but an element of okay if, you know if you have a 12 year old 11 12 13 like they, they can they can make a sandwich also a right sandwich. Like, i mean they, it's also more of like the, the the zoom school was a disaster i mean that yeah. was an, that was an utter disaster and that I, I saw where it was going and i was like you know what i don't i don't even care like go on don't go on but in the end of the day right i couldn't fight i wasn't gonna fight that wasn't right. gonna happen there had to be peace in my home everybody had to be happy i didn't want trauma at the end of this and i right. can say thank god we got through covid so far yeah. that um my my kids are fairly unscathed. They 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 definitely knew people that passed away, and they definitely um, dealt with serious things. But mm-hmm. they themselves were okay, and they felt safe, and 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 it wasn't super traumatic in the house. Mm-hmm. And that was my goal. Uh, right. But I did ignore my children a lot, like I yeah. did, because my business was in a like re- again, like we were talking, super pivotal moments, and mm-hmm. it was make or break. It was sink or swim, and I wasn't going to let this business. I knew it means the world that um, I put a lot of energy and time into it and I didn't, I wanted it to thrive and it did. And I actually tried to employ my children a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. I, was, I was fulfilling products out of my living room, like mm-hmm. for hours. And I was like, okay, guys, get your gloves on. Like we're packing <laughs> products and right. we did it, you know? Um, yeah. So I hope at the end of all this, we end up stronger. Um, but it, I, you know, like, I'm not going to be one of those moms who's like, and I ran for an hour this morning before I got home. And then <laughs> no, I was right. a disaster, you know, yeah. but, but we pulled through and, and, and hopefully we're going to go back to school in September and we're going to be healthy. And that's, that's the goal. But it was, this was an unbelievable time period. It was really challenging. Yeah. I think, I think for, you know, a lot of parents listening to this and, you know, if you have, one or two or three kids, you know, you can just think about five, five, you know, <laughs> five kids. Each one wants something different at a, you know, I, I mean, I see this with one with my six year old, like she could, she doesn't, you know, my wife is on a, you know, a go to meeting, you know, with, and she works for like, you know, a company corporate, you know, uh, you know, a couple hundred employees and she's a manager. And my, my daughter's like, mommy, I'm hungry, you know, just like straight up, exactly. like, you know, into the thing, you know, and, and I think it's sort of been, you know, accepted, right? This is kind of what everyone's dealing with now. But yeah, certainly, certainly challenging. And so to, you know, balance and keep keep your kids alive while, you know, while, yeah. while you know, also focusing on your business and consulting all that, you know, is, uh, is, is challenging. I imagine you have to kind of schedule and prioritize um your time and you know just to be cognizant of how you're you know you're you're spending your time oh absolutely they they need scheduled time they there's no question about it i started putting them on the calendar because uh my ability to to juggle all of it i used to be able to do it maybe because i was younger maybe because i had less on my plate i'm not sure what what 
what variable it is, but at this point, it is really hard to keep track of it all. And, um, you know, the midday performance at camp and you're like, okay, mm-hmm. well, you know, it's middle of the day. Um, but if you put that into your account, there's no, you know, those things are not, that's not, you know, I'm not playing around with that. I will always, not a good <laughs> I will right. always be at my kids production and sport games right. and stuff like that. There's, you know, that's like, that's yes. your bare, that's your bare minimum. Um, some of the other things that maybe they'll talk to their therapist about later about me, like, <laughs> but, you know, I did the best I could, but I will be at your games. <laughs> I will be at your yeah. things. Um, and, and, you know, there, right. there's something to be said for growing up and, you know, watching your parents hustle in a business, you know, and, uh, and, and learning lessons and, uh, yes. you know, learn, learning good lessons, uh, uh, you know, along, along the way. Um, so yes. Lisa, Lisa, um, thanks so much for, for sharing. How do people get in touch with you? Um, who's sort of the right, you know, maybe person that might be good fit for you for like, you know, um, consulting. I know we work, we work very well together. Um, you, you consult with, you know, some of these brands and then, um, we manage their, their ads and, and kind of collaborate on that. Um, what, what are, what are, who, who are like the best, um, you know, type of sort of for consulting that might be a good fit for you to, to work with? I mean, I, I think it, it really, I'm, I'm not opposed to trying to work with anybody who needs a little support. If it comes down to, I have five listings, can you just look at it and kind of help me work through what I need? to make this look better, I can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I had someone call me last week that has over 4,000 SKUs. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, ooh, that's going to be challenging. Let's figure out how we can do this like categorically and like start auditing it slowly, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so the, there really isn't a specific person that I try to deal with right now. As long as you're a good person, you're open to growth, you want to learn the process. I would rather work with somebody who wants to learn it rather than have me do it. Because I think mm-hmm. that in the end, you'll be a better business person at the end of the day if you learned it with me mm-hmm. um, but if someone's like no no no, I just want you to do it for me I, I can do that too mm-hmm. um, but I really try to train people on the process so that they're stronger at the end um, but really you can reach out to me on um, LinkedIn Lisa Abel um, on Facebook um, my email is ableconsulting10 at gmail um, it's a mouthful but you you know i'm around you can reach me and i really if i can help you like i'm so happy to do that excellent um okay great well thank you so much for uh for coming on uh you know we covered a lot in terms of you know licensing growing your brand uh being a mom (laughs) all these (laughs) uh all these uh important topics so really appreciate you um you coming on and uh taking some time to share with us i just want to say one thing um i met liran uh, about a year ago, I was listening to a podcast on my way to Manhattan to work, and I hear him speaking about PPC, and I was like, "That guy knows what he's talking about." And I cold called him. I was like, <laughs> I like found his number. I like emailed him. I'm like, "What's your number?" And I called him. He was still at the point in his career where he gave out his cell phone. Now he's probably like way bigger than that. But he's like, "Yeah, here's my cell phone. Give me a call." And um, I just feel like coming on his podcast right now, a year later, as a seven figure seller. I feel like the whole thing is very like full circle for me and really powerful. And I feel like coming on here is really meaningful to me because it, it, it signifies like a real milestone to me. So thank you for having me. It's, it's, it's really cool to be here. Yes. Thank you. Thank And thank you so much for, for saying that. I think if there's a, a lesson there, um, it's really the power of creating relationships. And you, you know, if you, if you really listen to this episode, then you hear about, 
you know, the relationships you've created with these, uh, you know, big brands that, that have licenses. It's the relationship you have with the supplier where you can call up and say, hey, I need a favor. Right. And then it's the relationship with networking, you know, with other people. You, you know, you kind of work together with and um, leverage each other's best skills to grow your business. And um, for me, that's really been really been the secret in this uh, in this business is the power of uh, you know relationships with uh, with I other people. I hundred percent agree. That's yeah. a massive, massive focus. Build those relationships. Uh, feed people. Like, give them what you can. Always be generous with your time, your energy, and, and it'll always come back in a great way with you, especially in business. And, and by the way, when when you reached out to me, you said, "Hey, I work with a, this deal site. Maybe I can help you out, right?" And like, yeah, of course. I mean. Yes, I, I like to help people and like to reach out. But of course, you gave me a very, you know, you, you came with a with a give instead of with an ask, right? And like, and actually, you ran uh, at the time a free launch yeah. for me uh, with, with that company. And you set that up and you, you came to the relationship. You wanted to create a relationship and you came with giving something. And, you know, I, especially like on LinkedIn, I get tons of messages every day. Just people like asking and promoting and give me links and all this stuff. And like, you know people have limited amount of time they're only going to respond to to certain things and um you know the secret is is coming from a giving place and you know building building relationships 100%. so um super, super powerful so yeah thank you so much uh lisa for for coming on and uh hitting seven figures okay. and uh yeah let, let's maybe talk again after q4 and uh, and see uh see what lessons you know we're able to learn from uh, from from the fourth quarter so thank, thank you so you. much talk to you soon Thank you so much for listening and uh, hope you uh, were able to pick up some things, uh, some important takeaways from this episode, including, uh, you know, the potential use of uh, deal sites, was, which is something we spoke more about um, in episode 30. You should go back to listen to that with uh, Christine Kroger, as well as referencing the recent episode we had with uh, Casey Goss about the uh, upcoming uh, potential Q4 sort of logistical um, disaster. And you can go back and, and listen to those episodes if you um, haven't. And join our Facebook group, E-Commerce Mindset, to continue the conversation. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast and I'll see you on the next episode.